episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the Beast. Yes, and I'm wearing the shirt of the Beast. Yeah, my new Josh shirt. Josh has a new shirt. I have a new shirt. I have. Do you want me to describe it to everyone? Please do. It's Eddie in a Toronto Maple Leaf jersey, number 666, <laughs> uh, playing hockey with a heart. Oh, man. It's amazing. <laughs> There's a company online. They just came into my feed. I don't know what genius social engineering algorithm they came up with. This guy likes the Leafs and Maiden. How could they find that from uh, anything but every single click? Um, and, uh, yeah, I saw this. And, like You can pick a lot of hockey teams. But this one's obviously the best one because it's the Leafs jersey. <laughs> anyway, uh, and this doesn't count as my Leafs minute. But, uh, yeah, I got it. I don't know how legit this is. I don't know if this is official Leafs jersey merchandise. Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's maybe not a... I don't know if NHL Iron Maiden... I think we would have heard about it if they did tie-in. Yeah. But it's a cool shirt. It's a cool shirt. It's a well like done... It. It's like, if it is a like a not official shirt, yeah. they did a really good job. They did an awesome job. And yeah. it's, I checked it's the actual uh, blanks that they use when they do Maiden Tour shirts. Okay. It's the same shirt, same fit, same size. Yep. Yeah. So cool. legit. And I'm in. Anyway. they can finally your two passions have finally come together in one because i've lamented the canadian hockey shirt that i had that was the wrong size but i wouldn't care i'm I'm more of a team usa fan than a or a team uh toronto maple leafs fan than a a team canada fan yeah but i mean i joke because i say that like i would wear if if austin matthews the leafs captain to be was the captain of team usa i could i'd rock into i wonder if they make a uh the America jersey. Do they make a Boston Bruins version? They do. Oh, yeah? They do. I think they do. I'll keep an eye out. Anyway. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Let's, so, uh, let's get into the beer first. Straight into the beer? Straight into the beer. This one is from Bad Apple Brew House in Somerset, Nova Scotia. So this is, I just realized that, I think this is the fourth beer in a row that's like East Coast Canada, but we're East Coast Canada, so. Do not spend your time worrying about those Wasted beer. Oh, nice. Box cutters. Box cutter IPA. Mm. Smells good. Yeah. Good work. Mmm. That's amazing. That's, That's really good. That's a six point nine percent. I don't know. I might have to take half of yours there. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. That is an excellent beer. It's got the citronella hops that I love. <laughs> citronella. Citronella. So I don't know. <laughs> citronella hops. What do they call it? Citrus wet hops. Citra. No, it's not that. The other ones. Cascade. I don't know. It's got citrusy citronella hops. <laughs> <laughs> like a candle. They're tasty. So last time that we did Book Souls, yeah. we only got through one song. I think we wasted too much time on news <laughs> before we? we got into the album. Yeah. There's a bit of news that we need to catch up on, but I don't know. I'll do it in 30 seconds. Bruce Dickinson is named Honorary Citizen of Sarajevo, so... Nice. Yeah. So, the nice. Uh, city council, uh, in remembrance of his 1994 visit to the city while Bosnian war was raging. In that video... Uh, Scream for me, Sarajevo. Scream for me, Sarajevo, right. He uh, went to Sarajevo during a war zone, put on yeah. this concert. Yeah. So, that's what that's all about. Oh, cool. Um, let's get into the book souls. Yeah. <laughs> enough news. <laughs> no, fair enough. Oh, great. <laughs> Down the news. Oh, also, uh, you know, Nico retired. But anyway, on the Book of Souls. Yeah. Now we we did. Uh, I know we could talk about uh, Sarajevo for ten minutes. Well, we already covered it. I know we already did a whole did episode it. on it. So let's 
get on with this. Absolutely. <laughs> so last we talked, we talked about, uh, we went through the background on the album. We talked right. about the recording, the flow, yeah. some of the, the production, sounds. production, yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of those aspects. So, and then we started to get into the track. We touched a little bit on the theme debate, which we'll, we'll carry on, I think, probably yeah. after this episode. And then we broke down If Eternity Should Fail. We That's talked right. about more or less how it came yeah. into the album through Bruce. So, and then we kind of wrapped it up there. Right. So Book of Souls, 16th studio album, 2015, uh, double album. A lot of songs to go through. We got through one song, so... Yeah. <laughs> but it took us an hour. Now... Uh, Episode number two, we're going to start with Speed of Light. We're going to start getting right into it. Right. Yeah, this was the single they released. Did they, they they released this like right off the hop. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan the first time I heard it. I was kind of mm. like, eh. But then as I listened to it more, it kind of grew on me. But it was never a favorite of mine on the album. Yeah. But kind of recently I've gone back and I think I was kind of not being fair to the track. It's a lot better than I was giving it credit for. Yeah. I really do. I don't mean to sound like I don't like it. I really do like the track. Um, it's a rocker. It's uh, this is Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson. So they open up the album with like "If Eternity Should Fail" and "Speed of Light," which is kind of two rockers in a row. Which is kind of what they did on Final Frontier with Final Frontier and El Dorado, "Dance of Death," and "Wildest Dream," the Rainmaker. They're kind of doing that two kind of fast ones in a row. Although "Eternity Should Fail" is not that fast. But compared to some of the epic songs on the album, it's kind of a, a bit of a rocker. Yeah. Um, so they're starting out with some fast, shorter songs. Short for Maiden. <laughs> yeah. Long for other bands. Written by Adrian Smith, Bruce Dickinson. I saw an interview with Adrian Smith, and he said, uh, Bruce and I hadn't actually written anything, just the two of us, for some years. So I had in mind to do some shorter songs. So Adrian and Bruce got together before, the, before they got together to do the album and wrote the song together. And um, it starts out with this cool riff and Nico on the cowbell and Bruce does a really cool scream. That scream is used in a lot of the promo material for the... Yeah, it was used in the promo video for this, yeah. yeah. So I've got a quote from Bruce and he said, All of us in the band are huge Deep Purple fans. Adrian wrote the riff, and I thought, that sounds like something off Burn. That's a Deep Purple album. He said, let's do an homage to Purple with an Ian Gillen-type scream at the beginning. The rest of the riffs sound like something that could have been on Peace of Mind. I guess, I don't know if that riff really sounds like it could have been on Peace of Mind, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, that's kind of his, like, tribute to Deep Purple. Yeah, I love that scream at the beginning. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The song pace is so insane. Yeah, this is a really fast rocker. It's a high, high energy. Yeah. Um, the the riff is very fast and like speedy so like I got a quote from Adrian about that riff he said that's a lead scale I've been messing around with I sort of rediscovered the pentatonic scale I was listening to a lot of really good players and noticed a lot of them were using these scales so I was messing around with it and it's a variation on a pattern I got that little riff out of it <laughs> It's very cool, very Adrian. This yeah. whole song, like the the speed, the catchiness of it, just the yeah. he writes these really great like rock riffs. Yeah, that timing is really interesting. When yeah, you, when you isolate it like that, yeah, it's That's pretty cool. cool. Um, then the chorus kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. The lyrics, it's, it's cool. The lyrics, like, they kind of go up and then they come down. It's very, like, catchy. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's pure Bruce, right? It's a really catchy chorus. No, that's awesome. It's a really catchy song. And the drumming on this track is great. Like, Nico gets some of those, like, clang. You know when he gets that clang, clang, clang on the yeah. cymbals? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Nico's drumming on this whole album. But on this song, I just, like, you'll notice it, too. It's, like, very crisp sounding. Yeah. I like the way the drums sound on this album. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is the first true, like, I don't know, solo on the album is in yeah. this song. Because the first song had a lot of guitar work. This one has some really like balls out soloing, which is great. Yeah. And it's a classic Dave Murray, Adrian back to back combo. Yeah. Solo. And the, the, the solo on this is is one of the best parts of the song. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. You get the uh, the Dave's kind of like frantic improvised part mm. at the beginning. It's super cool. So that's the first part that's the dave murray yeah. part. it's very like uh fluid and improvised it's very like textbook dave murray yeah high energy he gets some of the whammy bar action in there yeah which is actually a les paul with a whammy bar on it which is unusual i think yeah um yeah, last yeah. episode i got into that yeah, i read in it. the uh there's an interview with him and his guitar tech in the iron maiden fan club magazine yeah he said all of dave murray's parts on this album are on a les paul or gibson les paul or he had a Gibson hollow body too, but he had a Gibson Les Paul, and I guess this is the one that has a Floyd Rose, like whammy bar, set up on it. So well, deadly. Then he passes off to Adrian in the solo, and then you get the uh, what I think is the best part of the solo, the Adrian part. <laughs> That's cool. He's it's kind of improvised for Adrian. It's a bit more melodic, and there's some like repeating structures in there, like Adrian has. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into a cool riff. Sounds kind of almost like a Killers like riff from something from the song Killers almost. And yeah, it's just a great song. It's a great rocker. It's not a favorite on the album. Mm. It's up there. It's not the album's so strong though that like yeah. I think that's the only reason this isn't a standout track. Um, I put it up there with like Rainmaker, Wildest Dreams, Different World. Yeah. Those singles that are like catchy. They're not the epics. They're not the maiden songs you always go to, but they're really good, solid songs. Yeah, I, I, I like this song right at the gate when the album first came out. Yeah. And, um, I you know, I love it now. It's just so fast. It's so pacey. It's well-placed in the album. And, like, right after, you know, Tourney Shafail's excellent 
excellent opener. Yeah. And then the end, you've got that little voiceover insert there with the um, Necropolis. Yeah. We talked about that in the last episode. The Harvester of the yeah. Soul. Meet. And it kind of gives a break to this song because this song is so pacey. Yeah. But I really love this era of, of Maiden with the super fast, you know, yeah. like, like where you get these short, you yeah. know. It's like a Wicker be quick or be yeah. dead. Wicker yeah, be quick or be dead. That kind of thinking. And I love that, that fit. Yeah. And, um, I, I love the song. The only reason I think that you view it this way, or, or the reason I maybe don't think it's the best track on the album, is because there's so many big epic tracks that dominate. It's true. And this is short. It's five minutes, relatively short, compared yeah. to the length of the album yeah. and compared to the size of the rest of the tracks. So, yeah. I don't know. I love the song. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think maybe also you might have been put off by uh, maybe the, the video. Because videos can kind of also take away from yeah. the track. It's not yeah. that I don't like the song. I think it's a really great song. All the parts on it are great. It sounds great. It has a really good high energy. It just, there's nothing about it that really stands out. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of Maiden songs you can go to and they just like, they stand out. Yeah. And I was saying like Wildest Dreams, Different World, and Rainmaker. Yeah. You know how they're all kind of similar? They don't really like... Yeah. I don't know. know if, if Like... That the intro you played there with the scream, like, yeah. man, and, and then the That's scream, cool, and yeah. then he cuts in, like, that to me defines so much the sound of this album just yeah. because of the promo. Like, that was the first stuff I heard yeah, that's true. around it, and there was so many stuff that came up. And, you know, I just always picture when I think of this album, I picture like that scream and that rip, and like, you know, the Eddie is holding the, the, the heart, heart, that gift that went around online. Yeah. I, I remember that so much, right? Yeah. And that scream is so iconic for this album. I don't know. I love this song. Yeah. So. Oh, I love it too. I don't mean to say. I'm just yeah. saying the album is so strong. I mean, it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I but mean, it is a good track. If, the, if this isn't one of the best, it only shows how yeah. good that album is. Yeah. If you yeah. drop this on to like Fear of the Dark. It's yeah. the best song on Fear of the Dark. <laughs> yeah. Between that scream, the 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 pacing, like when you did the isolation on the uh, on the riff there, and yeah. the timing. That's awesome because I never thought of that, but I always noticed that that was really interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and then those two solos are amazing. And then, like, it's so punchy, it's for five yeah. minutes. It's like, a well-crafted rocker. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. the, the lyrics and that, and, and you know, maybe to a lesser extent, the vocals don't really give an opportunity. But, I mean, it's a hard yeah. sign to have a strong vocal performance in that's so fast. Yeah. So much going on. Anyway, I think it's yeah. a good a good placement on the album, too, that they have this Attorney Should Fail song, which kind of has the yeah. slow intro. It's I called it a rocker earlier, but it's kind of more of a mid-paced kind of... It, it's, you know, it's kind of... It doesn't like trudge along. It has like some pace to it. Yeah. But then you come in with this one, which is like really fast. This is like truly high energy. So you got this like intro. You've got a like a pretty moderately paced rock song, and then it comes out in that slow intro, and then bang, they just like hit you in the teeth with this like scream. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's, it. it's well placed on the album, I think, to do this as yeah. track number two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It definitely does. The song is no relation to the song that Blaze Bailey has called Speed of Light that came out before this. <laughs> you had to bring Blaze in. Yeah. And the lyrics in the song I didn't mention. <laughs> I did have to bring Blaze in. Couldn't leave it. I didn't mention that this also has a very cool, I think the uh, lyric, I'll say a mass for you and wave shooting plasma from my grave. Yeah. Makes, I don't think it makes any sense, but it's really cool sounding. Yeah, I mean, well... I don't know when I, when I read that I always think back you know that's a Catholic thing like you know say a mass for someone yeah but uh, what's shooting plasma from your grave that's man? the part that makes no sense yeah right 
I don't know. <laughs> but then I also think about it as, you know, to me, I try to loop that theme in there. And then that's where the video throws me off because everything is super digital in the video. Yeah. And it's about the speed of light. And it looks like he's traveling through time digitally. Yeah. But then if you think about light gods and if you go back to the ritual aspect of it, if you look at the lyrics, you can justify it. You can force a theme on it. <laughs> force a theme on it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. I think the lyrics don't really make much sense. I, I think they're just like a bunch of cool sounding lyrics put together to try to sound badass. Which is also the way I describe a lot of Soundgarden lyrics. If you listen to Bad Motorfinger, yeah. go listen to like the lyrics to you know Rusty Cage yeah, or any of the songs on that album. They're just really cool sounding combinations of words that sound super badass. You know yeah, what I, mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I'd love to go into this at an, you know, go into <laughs> when, another stage. Like in that yeah. song that says like when the forest burns along the road, yeah. like God's eyes in your headlights. And there's something about like raining ice picks on your steel shore. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean anything. It just sounds really cool. But you know how much religious iconography and stuff there is in that. And how many like especially that motorfinger. I'm looking forward to the new final. Did you pre-order that? No, it's like four hundred dollars. <laughs> You're talking about the uh, deluxe edition. Okay, we're getting off topic here, but there's a new yeah. Chris, the Chris Cornell retrospective albums coming yeah, it's out. Just, there's just two vinyl. It's, it's... There's also a 7 LP multiple DVD, multiple CD box set with a book that's like $400. I thought that's not what you were talking about. Oh, God, no, I wouldn't yeah. do that. Okay. I'm anyway. getting the double album. Yeah, I know we got off on a tangent with Chris Cornell and Soundgarden. Anyway. But yes, I've, I've mentioned, the reason I mentioned that is yeah. because the lyrics in this song, I think, are kind of just like cool sounding combinations of words i don't think the there's like some message to the song well i i think we can agree that <laughs> people live in a forest who had limited written you know yeah and the underground wells and you know that the, the speed of light was probably not they might have had a sun god but okay probably wasn't on the radar <laughs> you're stretching you're forcing the theme on well the did you, okay no, I'm not forcing a theme on it. I'm saying that it makes sense what you're saying, that it would be a force okay. to put it on it. Yeah. Did you know that they didn't have the wheel? Who? The Mayans? The Mayans didn't have the wheel. No, I didn't know that. Apparently they didn't have the wheel. Yeah, I don't know much about the Mayans. So. There's all kinds of stuff online about it because uh, the, the fact that they had pyramids and that the Egyptians had pyramids and apparently the pyramid structures to other places. Right. There's an argument online. I haven't spent much time, but a friend of mine said, hey, look, it's credible. It, um, you know, because you always get worried about these like conspiracy stuff online. Yeah. But apparently, like, there are people that say that there was a lot more interconnection between the world. You you know, like there could have been a civilization that had, had a lot better travel across the oceans okay. than we thought, but just didn't have written history, didn't survive. So the people who built the pyramids may have left Egypt or may have been the same people that, that, that built these, showed up there, or they don't know. Okay, that sounds like... So the Mayans, yeah, like 2000 BC. Yep. And then like, what was it, like a couple of thousand years later was like the Incans and the Aztecs. Yes. And it's all around the same area. It's like Guatemala, Mexico. Yep. You know, I don't know enough about it. I should have probably done some prep before I went into this. Yeah. But the Incans a, were Peru, right? Yeah, but they, they live in like the jungles. I saw a, a nature documentary where people got down in them and... And they were going around. There's just these amazing underground interconnected freshwater pools in the middle of the desert. Oh, the great unknown. So track number three, the great unknown. Yes. So uh, Adrian, again, writing credit with Steve Harris. Another Adrian song. So after two rockers, it kind of slows down a bit. 
this started off as being kind of a it kind of got lost in the mix the first few times i was listening through the album yeah it wasn't until later i came back and this ended up being one of my favorites on the album but for a long time i just kind of thought it was kind of filler yeah but i kind of uh i I kind of came back to it after i think maybe being placed after those two rockers and it's kind of a lull yeah you know what i mean the pacing of the album yeah and then it leads into red and the black which is so which is my favorite song on the album and such an epic epic track yeah that i can understand that yeah but but this is a great great song so this song is written in open D tuning. So Adrian Smith said, I was messing around with a tuning, an open D tuning. You can play interesting picking patterns. So in case anybody doesn't play guitar and doesn't know what open D tuning is, like normally you hold down certain strings on certain frets to make a chord. This is tuning your guitar to a chord. So when you strum, like without holding down anything, you just strum all the strings and it's a D chord. So it's kind of a different tuning and you can come up with a lot of different things so this is the riff that he's talking about So yeah, that's a cool riff that's written around like a uh, an open D. So it's not a dropped D tuning, which is something I meant to mention about If Eternity Should Fail. That's written in drop D tuning. And I think Maiden, there's a quote somewhere where like Maiden did a version of this in standard tuning and it didn't sound very powerful enough or strong enough. So they dropped, this is Eternity Should Fail I'm talking about. They dropped that down to drop D tuning. So drop D tuning is just you're down tuning your E string. To make okay. like a power chord on your bottom. This is a full open D tuning. So I've got a clip about that riff from Adrian. He said, it sounds very strange, but it kind of works. The Great Unknown's riff came out of that tuning, really. But I also used a capo on it, which is makes it a bit weirder. Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot of like open strings, and it's a really cool riff. I think it's very, uh, very unique sounding. How do they handle that live? Like, So if you watch a live chapter DVD... He just he'll just switch to a guitar that's tuned to open D, and you can see that he has that capo on the on the second fret, which I guess would make that into an open E. Is that right? It's tuned to open D. You look at me like I'm gonna. Yeah. (laughs) But it's a very different sounding riff, and it does sound like something that will come out of an open tuning. But uh, that's why the song has that unique beginning to it. Hmm. And then Bruce's vocals come in, has a very like has this huge echo at the end of all the lines. It sounds really cool. And there's all this, like, uh, these keyboards come in. Yeah. This is the first place you really notice the keyboards coming in strong. Um, You'll notice, like, every song almost has the keyboards on it. But they're really sparse. And, like, on this song, it just gives, like, kind of a layer of texture to the song. I don't Mm. know how else to describe it. And they're basically just holding one note or one chord and not changing it. Just holding down one note underneath the melody. And it adds tension. And you're waiting. And it just builds and builds before this kick in comes in. So here's a clip. Listen to the you can hear the keyboards in this and you can hear like the the echo on Bruce's vocals as it like builds getting ready for the kick in. When the world has fallen to the depths below where the future's open and the fear has grown. 
So you can hear the keyboards there. And it's just kind yeah. of giving it this like ominous kind of yeah. tension. Um, and then right after this, I'm going to play a clip now of when it actually kicks in. And it's such a cool way that they build it. It's like Nico comes in with the drums, gradually like kind of pounding harder and harder. A second picked out guitar part comes in over that original Adrian open D riff. And you can kind of tell that there's something coming. It's just tension and tension and just unleashes it. And then Bruce's voice goes up an octave. Nico starts pounding on the drums, hitting them really hard. Like his drums sound great on this. It's a really good build up. And when it does kick in, like the delivery is just amazing. I love the way that the song just kind of starts off mellow. Yeah. It gets kind of creepy sounding and it just mm-hmm. starts building and then boom, it hits you. It's just awesome. It, it is funny that you, you said that um, when you started there, you said, you know, it, it didn't hit you as a song you love right away. I would say the opposite. I'd say that for the red and the black, which we'll get into next. This song just hit me right at the gates. And the the thing that's so this is probably one of his best vocal performances, or at least the way I like it. Yeah, like yeah. His, his vocals yeah. in this are just so absolutely amazing. Yeah. And there's a lyric in here, "Never ending the desires of men." Yeah, it will never right? be the same or calm yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he ramps it up, but like that just has always resonated with me. Like never ending the desires of man. Like that's so true. Yeah, it's and, really cool. Yeah. This I think this could have this song could have been on a matter of life and death. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the same theme, never ending the desires of men. It'll never be the same or calm again. Yeah. In a time of changing hearts and great unknown, it'll be the damnation at end of us all. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's, yeah, it that fits. kind of theme. It fits, fits that theme. We're back oh, to the yeah. theme. No, I'm talking about the theme of matter of life. Do you know what? Death. You know what? I, I, I think men had desires in the mind empire. I'll actually, <laughs> I have a clip of that part. I'm going to play it now. Um, it's really cool. I love, uh, I know Bruce sounds great. I love the way the vocal turns around from like the pre-chorus into the chorus. It's just awesome. And Bruce sounds great. His voice sounds a little bit strained, but it, it, in a good way. It just, he sounds very like uh, a, a motive. And also in this clip is an example of like Nico with that clang that I love that Nico gets on his drums. Trademark sound. I was watching, I love that clang, that clang, 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 yeah. clang sound. So I watched a video, a drumming video of Nico's online. Yeah. Uh, I, I keep saying Nico. I know it's Nico, but yeah. who cares? <laughs> he's, it's the ride cymbal and he hits it right in the middle. Yeah. It. And yeah, uh, he's, he's playing the center of the cymbal. There's like, it yeah. depends on the, the cut of the cymbal, but yeah. 
you'll get this big round ball in yeah. the middle. It's actually a very this is a ride tough, symbol. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very tough thing to do live, yeah. like consistently. So he always hits it to the left of center, and he says he uses the side of his stick. So he's hitting really flat with the side of his stick to get a really long, really yeah. loud kind of clang sound. Yeah. Some drummers buy their cymbals specifically for that sound. Yeah, so like um, yeah, and and some some manufacturers will make them like bigger and smaller. Yeah, he has his own yeah. uh, one of those symbols. It says like I can't remember what it's yeah. called. It has like a power slave, something written in the font. And there's like the Power Slave Eddie. I don't know. I'm not a big drum. I don't know much about drums when it comes to like yeah. technical drum stuff. I'll pick apart like a rhythm, but I have no idea what like equipment. Yeah. Or any of that stuff. The solos on this song. Uh, this is Yana, Yannick comes in with the first solo. And his. I think this is Yannick's, not this song particularly, but like this album, I think is Yannick's best solos to date. Like. Yeah. Most of them. They're all good. This one I think is really, really, really good. the first uh yannick solo yeah there's so many little cool parts in there yeah well that's you know then then you get the typical uh you know adrian and and dave back to back a little later yeah personally i noted this i, I wasn't too excited about this solo oh i like that solo uh, there's so many yeah. i think there's a lot of really cool i don't know like little flourishes in there like that dun, 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 dun. Just, yeah, there's I some think it's very memorable some really cool me. little things in there yeah i don't find it as memorable but I, no. I find like also the song's ramping up you know how this song gets that like you know bang 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 yeah. over time it just ramps right up i find their solos are much better placed and stronger so you know dave and dave yeah. and adrian well and, le- leading up end. to the yeah. dave adrian solo yeah there's this really cool part i think where they uh they do a lot of cool guitar harmonies yeah this is an example of them on this album really making really good use of the multiple guitar players um it's really cool if you uh look at the dvd of this the live chapter it's dave and yannick i think but it's dave and yannick in the video so i assume on the album this is also dave and yannick doing this guitar harmony I just love that uh, the harmonies, they're making really good use of the multiple guitarists. Yeah. And that leads up to the Adrian and Dave solo. So it's one of those solos where Adrian starts and then he hands off to Dave. Yeah. They're pretty great solos. Um, it's weird the way these solos end. It comes out of the solo and it goes into silence and it's just Nico hitting the hi-hat. like ch- 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 And then it yeah. cuts back in. It's really abrupt. And at first I found this very weird and kind of off-putting. I'm so used to it now that it, it doesn't, I don't even notice it. But at first, this can sound a little weird. Yeah. 
So it's weird. He comes out of the solo and then just like stops, mm. and then they're into that intro solo, that out the outro, which is the intro yeah. riff over again, with yeah. a lot of keyboards underneath. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I love the way this song just kicks yeah. up. And it's a really just, cool song. Yeah, 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 and it really builds. So I on some of the old Maiden albums, I've been complaining about the keyboards. Um, Dance of Death, I had a few complaints about it, but in this song, they're used perfectly. It just adds that layer, mm. adds tension at the beginning, and then coming out, it just kind of like, I don't know, it just gives it a cool feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. On Dance of Death, they had big orchestrations, which was a bit much, um, but this is kind of subtle, which mm. I like. Uh, it's like a background layer, and they're not playing a lot. They're not coming in with these big swells of like fake brass instruments or strings or anything it's just you know one note or one chord under the music it's like a layer which i think is cool nico on this song if you go back and listen to this song and really pay attention to the drums nico sounds amazing on this he's he sounds like crisp and clear you can really hear the snap on his drums and he plays such cool rhythms and fills he's not over playing at all it's just like this perfect performance by nico this is a highlight yeah. of the drumming if you're looking at just drumming listen to the song on that one. yeah it's an excellent song yeah and um it was excellent live too oh yeah really live, really yeah the book of souls live when they did the song and they came out with yeah. it, the backdrop had eddie with the shrunken head yeah that witch doctor eddie or whatever yeah it's cool one thing about this song that drives me crazy live is at the beginning when adrian's playing that little riff mm. and bruce comes out and he's like hey Hey, and he's trying to get everyone to clap along to the yeah. riff. Why is it at concerts that nobody can clap in time? Is it because of the echo or the delay of where they hear it from or something? Or is everyone yeah. just like have a really shitty timing? Yeah. and yeah, Because everyone starts clapping and then it's like it, everyone falls off and it goes, it turns into a mess after like four claps yeah. every single time. I don't know why. The reason I was checking. Because I, I, I remember thought, that I specifically great, I, from the concert yeah. when we saw that second leg in Quebec City. Yeah. I remember they did The Great Unknown and there, people are trying to clap along to the intro. And after like four claps, everyone was like way off, and it's just like it's just mess. And it's like stop making the crowd clap along because they clearly are unable. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why that is, but it was also like the great unknown. Like I was just thinking, it came early in the concert, but it didn't. It came before I think Book of Souls. Like it was yeah, like the last. It was a little bit it was, rain, it was yeah. the second last song from the album in the set list. So I guess it's it's later on in the concert. But I was thinking like, who would want to clap anyway? I mean, you got a beer in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's literally what I was thinking. But yeah, no, I remember how bad the timing yeah. was. And it's that. not just Maiden concerts. Yeah. It's almost every concert I've ever been to or I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, big audiences are incapable of clapping along to, like, a beat, it seems like. Really? Yeah. It's like, every time yeah. I see them, like, people try, the uh, the lead singer usually, trying to get people to clap. Oh, And he puts yeah. his hands up. He's like, clap, hey, hey, hey. And everyone starts clapping along. And then it just, it goes into this, like, mess. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> Which is funny because the chant seems to go off so quickly. Everything yeah. I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, that's just something I specifically remember from seeing them perform the song live when really? we saw it. Now, I if you look at the, the live chapter DVD, yeah, I keep calling it a DVD, but it's a digital download, whatever. I'm going to keep calling it a DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you look at the, the concert film or concert video of this, the audience claps along on the live chapter and they actually do an okay job. And I'm wondering if that's why they picked that specific concert because like the yeah, one they time get, they the audience right. didn't mess it up. <laughs> they can get it right, yeah. Audiences learn to clap or don't clap. <laughs> learn to clap or don't. Oh, God. But yeah, anyway. I don't know. Such a great track. I mean, we're here now. 
where Dunn Attorney Should Fail, Speed of Light, Great Unknown, all three of them um, on the tour yep. set list. Yep. Speed of Light being, uh, I would say Eternity Should Fail is probably one of the most well-known from the album. Speed of Light, definitely, um, you know, as a single. Great Unknown, excellent. All three of these songs, not that huge, although Eternity Should Fail is 828. doesn't feel 828. It does anyway. not seem that long no, at all, no. It seems like six minutes. Yeah. And then The Red and the Black. 13 minutes. So, The Red and the Black, before we even get into the song. Yeah. Okay, this is 100% Steve Harris writing credit. Yeah. Before we get into the song, 13 minutes, The Red and the Black. I love the song. And everyone who listens to the podcast knows I've mentioned the song tons of times. Yeah. Uh, we kind of discuss these songs. Yeah. I am going to dissect this song to pieces as we go through it and tell you why I love it so much. Wait, no, I've got it's... like 100 clips to play. I was going to say, is there going to be clips? <laughs> yeah. Is there going to be clips? I just... I have so much to say about why I love the song. It's so great. The song, I think, is like the modern Maiden classic. So if Empire of the Clouds wasn't on this album, all anyone would be talking about when this album came out is Iron Maiden has a 13-minute song, 13 and a half minutes, called The Red and the Black. And it's basically, the spotlight is stolen by by Empire of the Clouds. This song, I think, is the epic from this album. Not Empire of the Clouds. That's almost like a separate thing. Like, I like it. When we get into it, I'll talk about it. But this is the song from this album that everyone should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. This is the modern epic masterpiece by Maiden. This is what everyone should have been talking about when this came out. Yeah. Like, when you think about it, it, it everyone's freaking out about Empire of the Clouds. Everyone's yes. like, oh my god, this 18-minute song. It's 13 and a half minutes versus 18 minutes. So this is, it's four and a half minutes longer. Yeah. Which is considerable. Like, that's another extra, that's the length of a song yeah. longer. But, like, this song is way this, better. It's ridiculous. Both of them don't feel anywhere near that length of time. This one doesn't, for sure, for me. No, I have to sit down and look at it with a timer on. Yeah. This this feels like a nine-minute song to me. Yeah. But this one, I think, is the epic from the album that everyone should be paying attention to, but they're all paying attention to the lesser song of Empire of the Clouds. This song is amazing. Hook after hook, yeah. riff after riff. 100% Steve Harris, 100% Iron Maiden. This is yeah. like what Iron Maiden's all about. Hundred percent Iron Maiden. Them's <laughs> fighting words. Fight, only, only Steve Harris is pure Iron Maiden. Yeah. This is, yeah. yeah. This is just. It has a a little bit of everything that makes Maiden great in one song. Yeah, I don't know. I I love Empire of the Clouds so much that I and yeah. I love this track too. Yeah. But you don't need. To, I also love Empire of the Clouds. You don't need to be putting down my R one hundred one. I'm not putting it down get... by saying that the song is better. I think this is a better song. History put it down. <laughs> The furniture put it down. So the song starts off with a bass intro, which yeah. is the first bass intro since Blood on the World's Hands on the X Factor. That's 20 oh, years yeah. before this. So 20 years before is the last time they had a bass intro. So that's the first, in 20 years, that's the first time they get a bass intro. Yeah. It's a cool way to set up the track. I mean, I can. it's, it's kind of cool. And I love live when they do it. He comes, Steve Harris comes out into the spotlight and does the, like the, the bass solo. Yeah. Um, but then it kicks into, the song really takes off and it kicks into this like monster riff.
So that riff, I think, is awesome. It's got kind of like a marching beat to it. Yeah. Instead of a gallop, this is almost like a march. It kind of has an X-Factory vibe to yeah. it, and it's dark. And this might sound like a weird thing to say, but this riff to me almost has like a Led Zeppelin kind of stomp to it. You yeah, know what I mean? I it's like a Zeppelin-y kind of stomp yeah. the way it plays against the, the drums. Yeah. I don't know why it reminds me of that. Yeah, no, yeah. I can see that. Other than the awesome riffs and solos and melodies in the song, here's the thing that I'm going to say now before I get into the rest of the song. Yeah. It makes this song, I think, what part of what makes this song so great. Aside from, yeah, riffs, solos, melodies, lyrics. I don't know what to call I'm going to call it foreshadowing. So there's a lot of times they play, they'll instrumentally play a melody line before it pops up in the song. So the instruments will play it and then, it, then it'll come in as a vocal melody. And there's tons of examples in the song. So this is the first. So Yannick plays this riff once and it's like a preview of the vocal melody before the vocals come in. So I think his guitar tone has a really cool... Yeah. I love the way that like riff ends. So that's the vocal melody. But before the vocals come in, they kind of introduce it as a guitar yeah. thing. So when the vocals come in, you've already heard the melody. And I never I, even yeah, noticed that, but it's like, it's, now that you say that, that's so yeah. obvious. So I call it like foreshadowing. I don't know what yeah. else to call it, but that's what I call it. Um, I've heard people compare this riff to the Dance of Death riff. Actually, I had a conversation online with someone who was like, you hate Dance of Death so much. This yeah. riff is very, like, the Dance of Death riff. And I can kind of see what they're talking about. There's a lot of, like, hammer-ons, pull-offs, or whatever. But this is a standard rock beat. It's just a riff over a rock beat, 4-4 four, four time. Dance of Death has that horrible, like, 6-8 time Irish jig feel to it that I hate. Yeah. So I don't see the resemblance at all, other than its notes being hammered on. Yeah, and we're hammered never going to live that down. No, I know. This has doesn't have that lame Irish music vibe. I don't think this sounds like the Dance of Death riff, even though no. I had a back and forth on email with someone about this. The song is just a straight up like rock epic. So back to that riff that we're talking about. So this is an example. You hear the vocal melody on the guitar before you actually hear the lyrics. So no, there's no lyrics in the song at this point, and you've already heard that. And when the vocals do come in, they kind of double the lyrics with the guitar. Yeah. So the guitar and the lyrics are both playing the melody at the same time, which is, I think, a really cool effect. Uh, they did it in Montsegur. Yeah. Remember that? As we killed them all, so yeah. that God will know his own, the innocence yeah. died for the Pope on his throne, and they, the guitar yeah. plays along. It's yeah. a really cool effect when they double it up. The lyrics come yeah. in, it's lots of references to like luck and fortune and gambling. The, you know, the time with the Blackjack King and the Red Queen Clash, and like Chance, chance Your Luck, a four leaf one. It's like, you know, it's kind of like an almost, I hate to say it, but it's like an Angel and the Gambler vibe as far as like the lyrical thing. Yeah. It's almost like they want to like redo the Angel of the Gambler and make it awesome this time. And then, you know that part that's like the whoa, 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 yeah. so that part comes along. But again, they bring that again instrumentally before it actually comes in as a lyrical thing. So this is another example of them. They preview the melody instrumentally before they bring in the lyrics. They kind of like tease it with the mm. guitars. So by the time that does come in, you're already familiar kind of with that melody. Hi. 
So yeah, that's the whoa whoa part played yeah. on instruments before the lyrics actually have it in. So that's another example of them playing it instrumentally before the singing starts. And at the end, so then they get on to the actual part where they sing the whoa oh 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 part. I keep calling it the whoa whoa oh. I don't know yeah. what else to call it. Yeah. And the end of the first time through, um, the part where he says, I need somebody to save me, yeah. they play that again on instruments. They do that as a guitar lick. And then later it comes in as vocals. So that's another example yeah. of them playing the, the melody before the vocals come in. So that little guitar riff at the end is like the vocal it's foreshadowing again the melody of when they actually start singing this part so you know we've already had a preview of that melody before the lyrics are man, sung it is such a long song isn't it when you think about this there's so many oh, stages yeah. to it's it epic man it just keeps yeah. going and going and i love it you know i love these long songs this yeah. is great and it even had its own beard in it yeah it the red, red and the black red yeah. and back to the, the porter clear, wasn't it? It was that was really good too yeah and they just re-released it and i hope it comes here again okay that's right we, we where did we drink that did we drink in my that? shed <laughs> <laughs> the best place to enjoy beer yeah oh man um that whoa oh oh part yeah. I have a feeling that Steve Harris, this is 100% Steve Harris writing. I think he was like picturing audience participation when he wrote that. It's written for like the audience to sing along to. So if you remember when we saw that live, I basically like screamed myself hoarse when the song came on. <laughs> yeah, you did. I lost my mind. This is like the highlight of the concert for me. Yeah. I, you know, I love this song. Yeah. I, I love, love this whole it. album yeah, so me much. Me too. If you ask me to pick a favorite yeah. song, I can't do it. Yeah. This song, I don't know if it's my, actually my favorite on the album. I love it that much, but I don't know if it's my favorite on the album. Do you know what? Literally, since we started this podcast now I'm already I think I've changed like it you know oh yeah but top songs change it, all the time no I mean this recording session maybe last one we had like oh. it just as you think about these songs I mean how do you rank them yeah. they're so different yeah I know but how do you is... compare a 13 minute Red in the Black which is awesome with like Book of Souls which is amazing yeah the track we were gonna that's the other about. song I was gonna say yeah. was uh, a then, toss up for favorite on the album yeah Book of Souls amazing yeah. and the, the the guitar we'll get into that one later that the, the, the sound of Book and Souls is just so good. One of the best title tracks, I think, yeah. ever. But the, the Great Unknown is so good. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And then the uh, Empire of the Clouds. Remember, like, right off, that was my favorite track. Yeah. Well, I'm only halfway through talking about Red and the Black right now. You're only halfway through? <laughs> We're only uh, not even getting into the song yet. So good. I was just talking I wanna, about... I want to talk about the what it means. So live, this was the highlight of the concert, obviously, for me. Another thing that I love about the song is there's all these parts that are very melodic and they play these riffs and they do these singing parts 
And it always comes back to this, like, slow chugging part, which I love. They have these, like, super melodic parts, and then boom, it goes in back into, the, like, they're just hitting the E, an E chord, and it's like chug, 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 chug. So they go off yeah. and do whatever, and then they come back to that. And they always return to it. And just, it's really cool. It's like, we're going to blow your mind with a cool part. And then we're going to go back and hear you <laughs> compose yourself, yeah. take a breath, chug, 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 chug. Okay, ready? Here comes the next part. And then yeah. they, boom, they punch you in the face with a new part. Then, so you're five minutes in the song. You haven't even heard the chorus yet. So you've got five minutes of maiden awesomeness. And then the chorus finally comes. So the beginning of the song has this like ominous tone to the whole thing. And then the chorus comes in and it kind of like uplifts everything. And it has this layer of keys under it that kind of gives it a lift and gives it this like epic feel. But again, like I was talking about before, the chorus comes in first as an instrumental version before any lyrics. So you hear the melody instrumentally a few times before they start singing, which is what I was calling foreshadowing. I don't know what else to call it, but this is another example. that's the instrumental part and then bruce comes in singing that melody that they just kind of previewed for you instrumentally the red and the black people don't want the truth look in their eyes and you send them away mm. he just sounds like well he's, i like this whole album he just sounds amazing he sounds great so this is when this chorus hits it's the highlight of the album up to this point and he nails it his voice is super powerful um i just love that they introduce the melody and then he hits you with the vocal version of it you've already heard that melody and then yeah. they hit you with like the vocal version yeah and it's awesome with those keys underneath too yeah i'm normally not a huge fan of keys in like metal music but like yeah. it just gives us this epic feel it sounds so great yeah and it's, it sounds excellent on vinyl i like i like the vocals in great unknown much more yeah. i find this is more repetitive and i don't yeah. know what it is but the red and the black is a chorus it just doesn't draw me to yeah. it yeah it's like you know like it's it's not and and I want to get into what that yeah. means because it's not as kick ass as like the evil that men do yeah you know lives on you know or the great unknown like yeah. those are those are words that when you're screaming them they mean something the red and the black like for me I don't know what he's talking about and then I do now because I've done a bit of digging yeah but like even now it's still still foggy for me but I, definitely awesome yeah folks. it is there is some yeah. a lot of re repeating patterns yeah. and stuff in the song but like I'm a huge fan of all that like stoner metal and stuff stoner rock. Yeah. So I love the nothing better than someone like jamming on one riff forever. Like I told you about that sleep album that I have that's yeah. like an hour and it's basically one riff for an hour. It's like, yeah, multiple sides of vinyl and it's, <laughs> they basically do one riff and they just kind of build on it. Um, so 
to me, and that's part of probably why I like it when it goes back to that chugging E chord thing, because it's just like chug, chug, yeah. chug, 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 which I love, right? Yeah. Um, so you're getting into the song. It takes five minutes. They finally hit with the chorus. The chorus blows your mind, blows my mind anyway. Yeah. Then the solos come in. They do this like three part solo. It's Adrian into Yannick and then into this like super fluid part by Dave Murray. Yeah. There's this total like change up in the timing back to the original groove uh, when Adrian comes in. And he does this little like descending riff and then passes the solo off to Dave to finish it. This is a perfect example I was talking about earlier of using the three guitarists well. Yep. So they all have their own signature signature style, and you can totally pick out their styles in the solo. Yeah. Um, here's a clip of of the solo and listen to how the timing changes under the solo when Adrian when it passes from Adrian to Yannick. That's a real highlight for me. The three guitarists. Yeah. They all have their own tone. They all have their own style. They, I don't know. It just, I love this. It's a, yeah. yeah. No this question. is a post-reunion era highlight guitar solo for me. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's and awesome. then, yeah. And then they play that solo. They come out, there's a cool instrumental part that goes on for a while. It's great. They really use the three guitarists really well for the harmonies and those, those keyboards under. And then there's a last solo by Adrian. That's awesome. And he does that thing that I always talk about that he does, which is like that fast tremolo picking thing at the end of his solo. Um, another thing on the solo, I love the solos that he does where he has like, he puts these pauses in and then he uses this like flurry of notes and then he pauses and he, he kind of like falls behind the beat and then he has like a flurry of notes and catches up to the beat. Mm. And this is a good example of that. This is Adrian's solo, his second solo in the song. And this is a really good solid solo. <laughs> And then when they come out of that, the beat changes up. It gets faster. The song goes up another notch. If it wasn't good enough, it goes up to another notch. And this part kicks in. And then there's two and a half minutes of amazing guitar work, riff after riff. I'm not going to clip the rest of the yeah. song because I'll just go on forever. But like, go listen to the song, everybody that's listening to this. Listen yeah. to the red and the black. Yeah. Buy the album, stream it, do whatever you got to do. 
and just listen to the whole thing through. And that last instrumental section is amazing. And then it comes out of that. It goes back into that whoa, whoa, whoa part. And then Bruce ends it with like, I need somebody to save me. And it just ties it all back together to the beginning of the song. Then you have that bass intro all over again. And that's the end. It's Maiden's masterpiece. I think this is one of the best post-reunion Maiden songs I think it's out there. I think it's yeah. excellent. Um, you know, I got a few criticisms of the songs only yeah. because it's so strong that I think, you know, there's there's ways it could be better. I was really glad you played that last solo because the three, the back-to-back solo is awesome. Yeah. Um, but Adrian's solo at the end is better than all three. Oh, yeah. Songs. I agree. Way better. I agree. Yeah. That's and a I, really great solo, yeah, Adrian. Yeah. And that's one of those things where we always talk about Adrian. We did two full episodes on Adrian and we are yeah. driving home the point that his solos come in. And they bring songs up a level. Yeah. Like that just takes that song up to another level. And it's already like at a 10. That takes it to an 11. It's like nine or 10 minutes into the song too. And you just can't wait for it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And I hate Sidney Hammers it. Um, The other thing, Nico's drum fills are cool. His drumming is awesome on this. The guitar parts are 10 out of 10s for me anyway. They use the three guitars to like maximum effect. The keyboards are great. They're not overdone. They're very like sparse. And they, they just... They just add that extra feeling. A really cool groove to the song. Tons of time changes. Um, there's times in the song the guitars are playing melodies. And the drum kind of switches up. And it gives the instrumental part a totally different feel by changing drum beat underneath. There's a lot of cool parts. I put this up there with Mariner, Power Slave, all those classics. I would put this up there with those. Yeah. And if you don't like the song, listen to it enough and let it click. Because I remember when I first heard it, it was hard for me to wrap my head around it. Mm. And it was, geez, I probably listened to it a dozen times, and then finally it clicked, and I just loved it. And I think the song alone is worth the price of the CD. So, like, if you don't have this album, go buy this album for this one song. I (laughs) I think it's that good. We're four tracks in, and we already have four amazing songs. No question. What what is the red and the black? What do you make of the the concept of the song? I think it's about, like, roulette wheel, the cards, red and the black cards. It's about, like, fate, chance. Yeah. Kind of a gambling theme, but more about, like, I don't know. Yeah, I read online that there's this, like, French novel, Le Rouge et le Noir. I don't, this, know I don't think this has anything I don't, to do I with don't that. think so either. No. Because when I read that, I immediately went to Cards. Yep. Red and the Black, because yep. there's, like, two references in the songs. Yeah. And uh, I read that online as well, but then people were saying it's tied back to that to that book. And then I mean, it was like, well, if it was a Bruce song, because he speaks French, and he'd, he'd find some way to drop it in, because remember how excited he was. Yeah. But it's it's a Harris song. So yeah, I, I didn't make much of it, but the that was the one piece that 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 kind of stands out for me is about this track. It's so epic. Yeah. But what's it about? Yeah, I don't you know. know I don't think, really think it needs to be, but But then know. in the last episode of this What did you book compare of Souls, it to? Did you say Hallowed like to me which is one The last of the best. episode we did on Book of Souls. Yeah. You just said about another song that you don't really care about the lyrics or what they mean because all you care about is the melody and what the sound sounds like. I know, but I'm picking, so now you're doing a one eighty. But I'm picking a hole in what you just said was the best track ever. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, lyrics yeah. don't have to be. It's a, it's cool. Like yeah, like you said, Hallowed. Hallowed. The lyrics to Hallowed are amazing. Oh my god, they're that's, they're really that's amazing. About. Yeah, it's chilling the first yeah. time you listen. Yeah, totally. But this yeah. song, I don't know. The lyrics don't have to be quite. It, this song, it's more about the structure, yeah. the riffs. The way it's put together, the way it's all tied together, the layering of everything, how long they wait to bring everything in, and how they tie it all back together. Mm-hmm. I read online a lot of people don't like this one that much. 
Really? There's a lot of people saying it's their least favorite. And they're, I think maybe the time changes throw them off. Maybe they just haven't listened to it enough to kind of let it sink in and wrap their head around it enough. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to take in, and there's a lot of parts. And some people kind of think that it's kind of, like, patched together and the songs don't fit together. But I totally don't think that. I think they totally do. Yeah. I think you just need to digest it and let your brain, like, soak it in. It's a, it's, I think this is great. Yeah, so I have a different different take on that. Um, I listen to this album mostly on digital. Yeah. And then, like, I got the vinyl there. And then I listened, I built a playlist for the tour. And I, that vinyl, you know, I've probably listened to the three vinyl, you know, a dozen times. Like, it's a lot of work on the discs. And, okay. and you know, I, yeah. I, I mostly listen. I, I love the looking at the gatefold. But, I mean, you know, you, most of my listening has been digital. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought the red and black was two or three songs. Two or three songs. Oh, really? Like even though the lyrics are consistent, yeah, it's just there was different changes. Yeah, in there's different a lot of parts I, to it. Yeah. I just didn't really. I wasn't sitting there looking at like I mostly listen when I'm either you know standing up on the go. Like very rarely am I actually looking at a digital player. Yeah, uh, you know. So I, I honestly, it was just so long. Like I never thought. I don't know where I split it, but in my mind, I never realized it was so epic until yeah. I started listening to my set list for the tour. Okay. Yeah. And that was when I was so focused on the tracks and, and the timing and obviously how they were winding in the, the classic Maidens stuff around it. And that's when I realized, holy, you know, look at this. <laughs> that, that It really stood out to me how much it dominated the set list there. Yeah. And now that was the... Um, that was the... the studio versions of the set list that I listened on my phone. Yeah, I remember dance. before when we found yeah. out what the set list was, you made a playlist of the studio yeah. versions of all the songs. Yeah. I put it together right away. Yeah. And then that was that was after it had started in Europe before it got here. Yeah. We were listening to it. Now I can't remember on the live chapter that the, like these song lengths mean nothing to me. Like that this does not feel thirteen and a half minutes. It's a long song. Yeah. It does. I agree. It flies. And yeah. it's funny you say it's that because like I have a an album. Yeah. I have a twenty eight minute version of the song that I made. I remember I played it for you once at the cabin <laughs> when yeah. we were driving out to my cabin to go hunting. Yeah. I played yeah. it in the car. So I have a 28-minute version. I took it in sound editing software and I chopped all those parts up. Yeah. And I just kind of made it like go through. Longer. I made it longer. Only you would same, I did the same thing with the talisman, I remember? I remember the yeah. talisman one. You made it 40 minutes. 47. 47 minutes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, only the exact, you, yeah, okay. yeah. Only you would take a 30-minute sign and make it longer. Yeah. Can't get enough of the song. Can't get enough of it. How long was it live? Bit same length? I can't remember. I don't know. I think they played a bit slower live. Yeah. I mean, so I don't remember sure. them cutting anything out, but... No, but I think the pace of it might be a bit yeah. slower. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. I'm well, just basing it on one of the clips I played there. Sounded The live clip of when they're doing that whoa, 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 whoa part. Yeah. It sounded a bit slower paced. There are three tracks on this album over 10 minutes long. Oh, yeah. This is a... yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Epic after epic. Yeah. I Man, I do love this song. I mean, I mean to take it apart and obviously they think a lot of it too i mean this placement the album's fourth track yeah um you know they put a lot of energy into it's harris's tune they put yep. a beer out around it they kept it at 13 minutes yeah and book of souls i don't know what it's at over 10 they put the both of them on the set list yeah they played well, six tracks listen every single song that we've covered so far they did on the yeah list. that's right and the then four. And then Book of Souls. And oh my God, else? we're only four Death tracks in. We're at an hour now and we're already only Death four tracks Glory. in. Didn't they play Tears of the Clown in the second leg? Yep, they did. But they didn't play the first No, they played it in the first and they dropped it for the second. 
But Tears of the Clown isn't a live chapter, is it? I don't know. I have to check. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do a separate episode on the live chapter. Yeah. The we'll, live we'll, album and the video. Oh, man. What a great set list. Yep. That's one of the things that hit me in looking back over this was how good that set list was. Yep. Yeah, it was really great. Oh, man. I, th- I think I would. I almost like that better than the Legacy of the Beast set list. Mm. And I like the whole stage presence and everything was just great. Oh, I, I think I like it. Oh, man. Like, if you could go back now and see Legacy of the Beast one more time or the Book of Souls, which concert would you go back well, and we see? Well, we just saw Legacy of the Beast. That's true. Times, so, Book of Souls. I'd go see Book of Souls. Yeah, that was great. But, you know, if I could pick all time, I mean, neither one of those Yeah, would that's be true. But, but I know what you're saying. Now, although the Legacy of the Beast was so good. So, next time is When the River Runs Deep. Yeah. We're uh, at like over an hour again. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to that one next time. Man, when I get talking about Book of Souls. Oh my God. Oh, I know I just, just everyone had to listen to me talk for 30 part. minutes about the, <laughs> the red and the black. I'm okay with it, but you're going to care. fight with me in the Book song. of Souls because I love that song. Yeah. Well, and, that's when I, yeah. when we were talking about the beginning, when we first started talking about Red and the Black, I said, this is, it's maybe my favorite song on the album. Yeah. The other song that's a toss up is the song, The Book of Souls. Those two songs. Or ten or ten. Yeah, I don't know if I can pick between the two of them. It's great unknown. Book of Souls, now part of the class for me. Yeah. I listen to the red and the black a lot more than the Book of Souls. Yeah, but uh, the Book of Souls is epic too. But we'll get into yeah. that next episode. And the fact that that doesn't include I Love Speed of Light, turns you know, it's a really fan. solid album. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, When the River Runs Deep. Yeah. Great too. Death of Glory is good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, anyway, we'll get into well. those. Yeah, so one thing I have I a feeling this is going to be a four-parter. Oh, oh my god, we're going a lot slower than I thought. I thought we would maybe get through the whole album in two yeah. episodes and then have an episode for Empire of the Clouds. But there's so many good clips, and you know what? If you love this album, then you get to listen to the clips. Yeah. If you don't know this album, then you need to listen to these clips. That's true. So this is an important exercise we're yeah. going through, and I've actually got loads of notes here. The um, the thing I will say is the second disc if you want to call it second disc yeah. it's funny because it's like disc one disc two and it's three vinyl yeah it's but like a triple album almost yeah yeah in a, in if this way. came out back in the power slave days this would be a triple album yeah i guess i don't, I don't know. know or maybe it's the way that they mixed it too like some of these you could fit this across two vinyls if you did it right i don't think so i don't know i don't know 90 minutes i don't know what the time is on a vinyl but anyway um the second disc when you get into a few of the middle tracks it gets a little weaker than than this is yeah. like a all-star first disc so. yeah they're basically just like steamrolling you with awesome songs i know and it you know so to anyone who thinks that we're just this i mean objectively yeah yeah okay we we've just sat here and we talked about the first four songs now they're yeah. basically the amazing songs everyone made eight or nine into ten and better if this is the if, first yeah. episode of our podcast that you've ever yeah. heard we're not always. We're not always, <laughs> we're not always just like this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. And if it is, and I do have some yeah. criticisms coming up, some pretty big ones later on at the last half of the album. No, I, I'll throw. it But up to here, I have no criticisms at all. Yeah, I have no. I'll throw it another way. Yeah. Um, if you can listen to these four tracks and, and pick them apart, come at us. There's oh, yeah. no There's no way. Yeah. There's no way you're, yeah. you're going the great unknown, the red, and the yeah. black, and, and I get all. I read online good. all this. Yeah. All this like flack about the red and the black that people just don't like it and if you don't like the red and the black yeah. email me and explain yourself that's true i'll email you back <laughs> although nesbitt as i've said before sometimes you just like being a contrarian i definitely <laughs> so. do i definitely do <laughs> all right so next time we're gonna do uh river runs deep book of souls keep on to the second disc and keep going yeah yeah well yeah i thought we'd we get through this a lot quicker but yeah listen we, it takes what it takes it takes what it takes to get through these epics man yeah i knew when we hit the red and the black i was like I'm going to go through the song. Yeah. 
detailed because... Okay, perfect. We'll wrap it up there. Look back on the beer. What do you think? Box cutter? It's good. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. 6.9%. Didn't affect our analysis. Nope. That was really good. I yeah. loved it. That's good. Citr- citronella hops. <laughs> Keeps the mosquitoes away. <laughs> yeah, citronella hops. Um, fantastic. Talkingmaiden.com. Go there. Uh, send us an email if you have any uh, comments, questions, yeah. or episode ideas. Go to iTunes. Yep. Uh, I love getting them emails, I gotta say. I love getting them. We're getting, uh, like, they come in like flurries. It seems like we get like yeah. a ton of emails. Yeah. And then we'll have a week where we get like one. We got a bunch today. Yeah. It's funny, right? But I like getting them. And I, yeah. it might take me a while to get back to you if you write me an email, but yeah. I do read all of them and I love getting them. And I've been starting to reply. Yeah, that's true. I'm getting some replies. <laughs> you know, so anyway, if you want to talk to me about my uh, Leafs shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. TalkingMaiden.com. Till next time, up the irons and down the hops.